I wish I could draw. Hmm. Good week? Big week. How are you doing? Oh, huge week. You got the photo of my box? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Hmm. Isn't that kind of disturbing? Is that a euphemism? <laughs> I'll send you a picture of my box if you buy me, a, buy me a, an iPod. No, I see this. Uh, this is pretty cool. Send you to my audience. Are these gifts or are these things that you sought out yourself? Let's say they're all gifts. Really? Three of them are gifts and two of them are self-purchased. Okay. I'm going to say my, that my daughter, the, the, big, the one on the upper mark. left is a gift and the one on the upper right is a gift, right? The two tall ones are gifts. Right. The one with the Phoenix Force wings, it was a gift. Really? The, cl- the classic Marvel girl was a self-bought and the Black Queen was a self-bought. I was holding out. I thought somebody could buy me a Black Queen. <laughs> But uh, I'm gonna. I, I don't know which one's your favorite. If I would, I don't know if I could guess right. I would guess the classic Marvel girl is secretly your favorite. You know, she is secretly my favorite. I, I think, yeah, she's. They're all favorites. You yeah. can't really pick a favorite. Can't pick one. It's um, yeah. You know, they're all special. But here's here's the OCD part that drives me a little crazy. First of all, for obvious reasons, and we're talking here. I sent Dan a photo of uh, five chin grays in a box, and uh, the the phoenix, the large phoenix, and the large dark phoenix. Both, both have many points of articulation, so you can make them do things to each other, which is nice. Um, now, the troubling thing about Marvel Girl, Little Phoenix, and the Black Queen, are you ready for this? Mm-hmm. They're just all three, I don't know if you can tell, you can probably tell, they're just barely slightly different scale, all three of them. Oh, yeah. That's crazy making, Dan. Why can't we, you know, we couldn't have railroads unless we pick how, how far. <laughs> they'll, never, they'll never line up just right. Can I say this is how Marvel gets you? There's so many ways that Marvel gets you, and one of them is having different sized genes. Hmm. Genes anyway, like genetics, you mean? Or mm-hmm. no, I think you're thinking of the, the Biodome, that movie with uh, oh, right. with the guy from um, what's that guy's name? Polly Shore. He's still around. He's got shorter hair now. But Udi, that guy. But Udi. Yeah, I saw that in the theater. Did you? For for a long time on Metacritic, it had the lowest. I think had the lowest. This is a while back. Metacritic. This is the same guys where Superman 2 was the greatest movie over The Godfather for like three years. But um, yeah, I think it had like a, what again, a zero as an average. So I don't know if you know much about the bell curve, but that means there were people who gave it less than a zero. Hmm. You know who's hmm. in that was Kylie Minogue. Kylie Minogue. Was that England. how you say that? Uh, Minogue, uh, when she was, she might have been originally Australian. <sighs> we're all kinds of ways. What's going, going on with you? You know, I'm, it's good. I'm not God. as tired. I slept, my family's out of town. And uh, so I slept late today just to see what that feels like. Mm-hmm. And I, uh, I paid some bills. I did some errands. And uh, now I, I prepared for the show. And, and now we're doing the show. So it's, it's a good day. You're, bu- you're busy now. I, cut the, uh, I came in halfway through you and Money Boy. Where, where are you going? You're going somewhere. Where, this is, just so people know we're recording today. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to this uh, Brooklyn Beta thing. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah, you did say that. You got JFK, your favorite, uh, your favorite airport. Yeah, hmm. I don't like, I don't like that airport. And what's uh, what's what is the Brooklyn uh, Beta? Is the way they say beta. that in in uh, the UK? Yeah. What is the Brooklyn Beta? Is that a conference? It is a design developer startup type conference. Your kind of thing. It's weird. You're not speaking at this. It is really weird. Hmm. People don't really invite me to speak places anymore. Really? It's just not a thing. Yeah. They got tired of crying. Mm, crying, yeah. There's all, the thing is, I give people so many reasons to cry. I should really, uh, I should put that, I should put that in the, uh, 
materials. So what are you going to do? You're going to go to you, you, Dan. Dan, are you having a personal reboot? If I could, don't, don't say, don't say on air. But it seems like you're going to two conferences in like less than a month. This this is different. This is new, 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 new. Well, day. you know, I get a now now that I have a team of people here and things are getting mm, done, I, yes. I actually can peel myself away from from the desk they, once in a while. They, uh, them, they'll they'll take care of everything. Take care of everything. Make it possible <laughs> to remove myself for a little while. I need, I need a team, big time. You totally do. I need a team. Um. Are you looking forward to this, apart from the uh, obvious pr- contagion problems? I'm not worried about anything. Good for you. Huh. Huh. Excited? Yeah, this is gonna, there's a lot of people that, are, that I haven't seen. Uh, some I haven't seen for a long time. Some I haven't seen ever. Are you like trying to be cool because Gus is there? No, do I is sound different or something? Yeah, it's not like you're trying to like play a little bit cool. No, I'm exhausted. I'm in, in, incredibly tired. But thanks for noticing and bringing it up. Yeah. Um, have you been doing anything differently? Why are you so tired? I'm tired because there's not enough time in a day. Is that our topic? Is this a way of getting, getting a new topic? Yes. Hang on a second. Yes, Dan. That is our topic for today. (laughs) Okay. I had a, I had a, uh, I had a one pseudo bit of FU and, uh, idea for a topic. Well, there's a topic I wanted to follow up uh, on what we talked about last week. We talked about um, education and grit. primarily Talk grit. Talk about grit. True yeah. grit. True grit. I don't have a lot. Ultimate grit. Hmm. <laughs> Ultimate grit factor. That's the new one from... Uh, Brian, Brian Bendis Michelson. Yeah. Then, then. It's the Bendis. I follow him on Tumblr, you know. Yeah, you mentioned Brian, that. Brian Bendis Mendesman. Um, reboot. I... Um, I read uh, 12 issues of AVX. And yeah, I, I don't know why. Like, your goal was to work up to be able to read that and it's one of the most lackluster as usual with marvel mm-hmm. it's it's a disappointment it's not really interesting it's it's got that hollywood movie problem where i gotta tell you i was i was i, was, I thought it was well first of all was it you that said this somebody said it's really fun because they fight a lot which is cool there's lots of good fights it was a little bit like oh you know oh god who i mean there's some fairly obvious like old grudges kind of things for one panel it's cute you know, it was a little bit like that episode of Chips at the Roller Disco with Leaf Garrett, where it feels a little bit tacked on. I mean, Vic Tabak, you know, benefit or no, is probably not going to like show up in uh, wherever that is, California, for uh, for a Roller Disco. You ever seen that episode, Dan? No, no, I'm not really just actually many, many following stars. what we're talking about right now. Okay, Chips was a TV show with uh, Ponch, Punch on and Ponch, and in one of their All Star episodes, my phone keeps buzzing. I don't is that know yours? Why. I sent, I did send you a message. Hmm. Oh, it's uh, someone calling my Google Voice number to ask if I'd like to take a survey. That's not me. Got a few minutes. <laughs> yeah, let's do the survey. Of course, I want to take a survey. I'm not an idiot. <laughs> Why would you not? Yeah, but uh, but that's the, it's like it's. Did like you take advantage of, of the of the time that you have on your own without your family around to perhaps clean the office or anything like that? Um, straighten up a little bit. You know what I did? Hmm. Um, I'll tell you what I did. No, uh, the answer is no. I did go to. One day after I picked my daughter up, we stopped by the Walgreens and I picked up cleaning supplies. So now mm-hmm. I have a mop, I have a broom, I have a, um, a, a functionally mop-centric bucket, uh, I have spray bleach, pine saw, uh, and a variety of other things. And now I just need to get everything off the floor so I can clean it. So that's, you know, they call it a dependency in project management. But I, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I got to put these Jean Grey's somewhere. I can't just keep them in a box. It's super creepy. If the place ever gets searched, somebody's going to come in here and see that, you know, it's going to be like a head in a box. Hmm. Don't you think? I mean, that's the kind of photo you don't want to have show up in court. 
Mr. Man, I just had a couple quick questions. I'm not familiar with dolls. Perhaps <laughs> you could enlighten me. Uh, you have a variety of projects. Uh, 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 Fallen by so the how's, how's everything going out there in, in San Francisco? <laughs> it's great. I'm going to definitely clean my office soon. I watched, uh, I watched The Dark Knight last night for the first time. I ate an entire Chateaubriand by myself. And uh, I, I read... Uh, let me explain something to you. Let me explain the AVX thing. I, I get the feeling from you and from other people that I read comics too fast, which I, I, I definitely do. You know how there's some people, I think you said this, you listen to music. Didn't you say you listen more for music? Like Marco, I know, listens more for music than lyrics. I have some friends, like right. Roderick, really listens, really listens to lyrics yeah. and likes the music too. I read for story, kind of, and then I'll go back and, and cool art, and then I'll go back and, and often reread it. I blew through most of that giant um, new X-Men in, in like two days, which is really crazy because it's like 300 pages. But I read for story. Yeah, I read for story. So what did you, does that mean you're not really looking at the art or what? I'm totally looking at the art. I put up screen grabs on my uh, Tumblr site. That's the ones I like a lot. I put those up. The problem with the AVX, I think, uh, per last week or two weeks ago or whatever, I have, I, have, I have mended my ways, Dan, and I've gotten out of this whole... I have to read all these comics in order to like get to a certain point. And so I dove in, I dove in, I didn't look back. And uh, I got to tell you, I think they got the Hollywood movie problem with the AVX. The first like what half or two thirds of it's pretty good. And I like the ending because I like that the two of the women comic book characters I like the most kick butt Mm -hmm. spoilers. But um, it was a little bit, it's like a lot of like you get, you're reading, like if I'm reading an X-Men issue and I'm like, oh my gosh, how are they going to get out of this? And then there's like this new character called Deus Ex Machina that comes in and suddenly everything's okay. And I felt like, I, I, did I miss an issue here? Like how did this all get settled so quickly? That's the problem. But you don't read those. You read the, uh, you read the vampire book. So you uh, American Vampire, the, Scott Snyder and uh, Raphael Albuquerque. Yeah, that's, that's the main one. I bought it. I bought the hard copy. I saw favorite. that. I'm very excited to see it. I really like New X-Men a lot. Yeah. And it, it filled in a lot of plot holes, like the Genosha thing that I didn't know about. It's helped. It, I thought it was... I couldn't... At first, I was, uh, wasn't so sure about the way it's drawn, but now I'm super into it. And I thought it was great. I thought it was really great. So my family's out of town just for a night and uh, watched a movie in the dark and ate a probably two-pound steak. <laughs> Went to bed nice and early. Yeah? Yeah. Well, you know, 12.02. Yep. 68% sleep quality trying to bring that number up so um hope you have a good trip you Thanks. know you know it'll be fine you and uh one the, the little bit of uh, fu i don't really have anything important to say about this but i thought it was kind of interesting um you and money boy and everybody's been talking a lot about the twitter alternatives um app.net and the tent thing and i've been trying to figure out like setting aside some of the stuff that really um kind of squicked me out about how they launched the service setting that stuff aside i've been trying to figure out my like why does that bother you so much because they sold it as a service where you could trust them with your data and not do silly stuff and then when you pay them fifty dollars they automatically tutored about it well That, that showed bad judgment to me that they're that they they contravene two points of their basic value proposition on to people who had just bought no, it. No, I I did not have it tweet auto tweet for me. I well, just opted did it on the first day or so. Yeah, I chose to not have it do that. And okay, then, but they went out. They fixed it. They, as I understand it, they went. No, hey, again, no. we're setting this aside. No, they we're didn't do it automatically. You had to give them your Twitter account for them to do it, and I did not give them my Twitter account because I had no interest in them having 
my Twitter account. So okay, um, it's a choice. But, it's a choice. Mm, choice you chose. But um, I've been trying to figure it out. And I mean, like Syracuse has said about what I said, and what I my, my biggest thing in some ways point two is that I just I, I settled on Twitter and Tumblr as the place where I do you know posting in front of other people's stuff mostly, and I'm pretty. I'm, there's a lot to be dissatisfied about with both services for different, well, for the same core reason, which is they're growing places that have to figure out how to make money and they're both getting a little silly. Um, but, you know, I've settled on those two, two places where I put stuff for now. And I'm not dead set against going other places. In fact, with Tumblr, it's pretty tantalizing sometimes to just run uh, Marco's exporter, <laughs> take everything and run. But, you know, I... Um, so yeah, I mean, for one thing, for me, like I am very reluctant to invite another bucket into my life. No new uh, franchises. No new franchises. That's yeah, you remember that. Yeah. Um, burned but, in. Burned in. What's funny? <laughs> you have such a good memory. But the thing that Marco said, one thing Marco said that I actually have been thinking a lot about is, and this is just a complete difference in use. Um, I worried a little bit that you were talking about douchebags like me when you talked about people with quote unquote a lot of followers. I'm not so worried about losing followers. It's just that right now I use Twitter as oh, a You platform. actually listen to that show. I listen to all your shows, Tim. Wow. Um I um I I see the way that I use Twitter is no secret, which is I use it to alternately uh be a dick and, and make jokes because that's where that goes for right. me. So the I more audience you have, the the better. No, no, unrelated. Hmm. But that's, but the thing is, it's as Marco said, or as Syracuse said, like Twitter stopped being a place where I could have conversations with my friends a long time ago for a variety of reasons. Um, And, but so, so I just want to clarify, like to me, it's not a follower issue. It's on the one hand, it is an issue of, I don't, it's funny because every time Syracuse or or, um, John or Marco in particular talk about how much they like these new services in these ways, Mm -hmm. they always come back to like, especially Syracuse, like, oh, it's so frustrating to have to follow two things. And what do you do? (laughs) Was that your your Syracuse impression? (laughs) Not really. I got to work on that. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) No, I haven't finished those errands yet. (laughs) But um, I I mean, so, I mean, you know, I I don't, I'm not trying to be cynical about this or sound like a jerk, but I don't. I feel like I, I don't need another additional place to check for ephemeral information, even right. when it's from people I like a lot. But, you know, with that said, one thing Marco said that I, I had also been thinking about is like, what if you use these services for, in, in the case of, I mean, you know, you know me well enough to know that like Twitter is not me. Twitter is me. It's an aspect of me, but it's not like actual me. I don't talk to you on the phone or in texts like I would on Twitter because I know that it's a public platform. <clears throat> so, I mean, that's one aspect of, of that thing. But I'm intrigued by this idea of like, well, what if app.net or similar, let's just say app.net, I signed up for tent, whatever too, but what if app.net Tentus. were a place for me to have conversations with my friends again? Marcus said, well, you know, gosh, what if it turns out that, you know, this stays small. It stays like the old days of Twitter because not that many people sign up, which it could be, but I doubt it. I think in order for them to, you know, um, what's a better transitive verb than grow? In order for them to have this network get bigger to get the true network effect, maybe they don't need that. Maybe maybe with the Kickstarter, pseudo Kickstarter thing, they've got all the dough they need. But I mean, once you're a business, you want that business to grow and you start making decisions that help that business grow. I'm not being critical. I'm just saying that I find it difficult to believe that say, okay, well, 
we've got a uh, you know we've got a uh, eighty square foot treehouse, and now we're not going to build any more rooms, let alone buy a hundred more trees. I don't think that's going to happen. It's going to grow. And for me, I mean, that could take me right back to the original. You know, if it's worth it for me to go there and be able to talk to people like you or Guy English and have conversations like I like to do, you know, or, or John Syracuse, who I talk to sometimes on Twitter, that's good. But again, it's not tipped enough for me to be, for it to be worth the second bucket problem. Do you know, do you know what I mean? Yeah. And so I second mean, second arrow I, problem. The second arrow. So anyway, I'm just, I'm thinking out loud because I think it is, it is interesting. It's neat to see app.net doing cool things. It's fantastic to see Paul put out that NetBot app. I bought it. I started following like 20 people on um, um, app.net just to kind of try the app out. But, you know, it's I, something I'm wondering about myself is whether I really like having conversations with my friends in public. Is what, what do you I'm mean start- in public? Like, like sitting, sitting at a coffee shop? Well, I certainly don't like, you know, live blogging uh, current events. That's crazy making to me. Um, it, you know, I just, it's not my thing. Like, I'm, it's just, blech. I just I don't like seeing it. I don't like doing it. I just think it's tedious. But there are times when somebody makes a remark about something. Dan Wyman talks about the experience that he had trying to, you know, trade in his stupid phone in an Apple store and the treatment that he got. I think that's interesting to talk about. But when I, and, and this is, I don't mean this to sound the way it sounds, but like, if I go in and say something to address to um, Dan Weinman, well, with the number of followers I have, if, if I say that to one person, but there's a lot more people that are reading it and now have an opinion about it because that's what Twitter is for. Yeah. If I say ham sandwiches are better than cheese sandwiches, well, that's what Twitter is for. Not Again, not, not in a critical way, but like it's really for, oh, no, it's not. Let's go back and forth. Here's a link. Here's a funny picture. And now we're building this thing together. It's just that I, I'm starting to wonder if, you know, I, a long time ago when Twitter was first starting to really hockey stick its way up, I guess on the true valuation of Twitter and what would make it valuable to, for an acquisition back when people wondered about those things was the sub Rosa conversations that were happening in DMS because I realized how many of the conversations I was having were basically DMS and still a lot. I mean, there's a lot of people that I, you would never people you never know that I have so many DMs with because I don't talk to them in public on like a guy. A guy and I will just sit around drinking and talking about X Men for a while. I assume. I hope he's drinking. And um, but I don't know. I'm just starting to wonder like if I like like I like talking to you. I like talking to guy. Uh, I like talking to Jason Snell. Like other people. I like you know my friend Alan from high school. I like that. But doing it in public, I think it may not be my thing. I think. But what I'm saying is I'm getting the value of app.net as a place to reboot the way you converse in a Twitter-like environment. Right. I'm just wondering aloud if it's the thing if, for me. If, if, you even, if you even need to have that rebooted. It's certainly very appealing because the other you know, 95% of my personality that's not the dickhead I am on Twitter really does like talking to people and having conversations and saying, well, that's a good point and stuff like that. It's just that you know anything I put on Twitter is not addressed to that person. It's got their name on it. But I mean, how many times have you seen people, you go and look at somebody's stream and it's, it's just all a bunch of like talking to celebrities like they're in the room with them. Mm-hmm. They're not really, they're talking towards them, but they're not talking with them. Mm. They're really yelling songs from the, yelling requests from the audience in some ways. And, you know, it's not, anyway, it's a different, it's just a different kind of thing. It has been so weird to see how Twitter has evolved because what do we call it back in the day? In the favor days, we call it like you know the fun bunch, like the salad days. 
a salad taste. <laughs> it seemed like there was this group of about 25 or 30 people that I got to know through Twitter, including the You Look Nice Today guys. As the well-worn tale goes, we started You Look Nice Today because we thought one another were funny on Twitter. We'd never met. And then, not really, not in uh, any substantial way, but that's how the show started. You know, what, what may not be well known is that You Look Nice Today's like two episodes or three episodes we did and threw out because they sucked mm -hmm. is because it was going to be a podcast about Twitter. Really? It was going to be a podcast That's about what's That's the weirdest funny. thing I've heard all day. Well, it's a super duper back to work story in like three ways. Hmm. It wasn't, it turned out not to be what we thought it was going to be. We right. realized it was a bad idea, but it wasn't until we'd done it for a while that we could identify that we could do better. And all the stuff that, you know, the shucking and jiving that was incidental to that ended up being what we found entertaining. And I think what other people found entertaining. But yeah. uh, it definitely has changed a lot. So I don't know. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try and play with it more. But I just, I feel like so... I, I have like four, not offers, but I've got like four emails right now sitting in my inbox from people who want to hire me for stuff. And I just don't even feel like responding to it. Because wow. I'm just... Well, no, wait. I'm just... Ugh, email, enough. Like there's just so many calls on my attention or things I have to keep up with. And I like that I can go into Twitter and go look at what my friends are saying and check in. I don't owe them anything by looking at it. But, you know, I just, the obligation of going in and having another thing to check is uh, daunting to me. So I might give it a try, but I just want to say like as much as I, there's some things about app.net that are crazy making to me. I, I, I think it's very appealing to have a way to try something different with this particular style of forum. Um, and I may, I may still do that, but I'm just not sure that there's much of an insurance policy on it staying sustainable in the way that it is. As Marco says, he feels like, I think you might have said this or Marco, you can go to the homepage to the public stream and basically just like, know. right. You can read, you can read it and you can see and, and know you, you know, most of the folks that are there. That's the way it used to be in the, the Twitter salad days, too, that you could read the main page. You could go to Twitter.com and you would know most, if not all, of the people that were tweeting or at least know about them. And it was interesting to read because it was like people that you knew having a conversation with you and other, other folks. Right. And, uh, and that was great. Like, I remember the turning point. Like, I, I you know, I'm not going to say I remember, like, the day. But I remember thinking, man, I can't go to Twitter.com anymore. And like, I don't know all these. Who are all these other people that are there now? What happened in my group? When right. it used that, you know, because when you started out, it was very It was very, very much different. that feeling. And at least for me, I mean, this is going to sound silly, but one reason people got interested in what people like me or John Moltz or, you know, Lonely Sandwich or Avery Edison or whomever were doing was that we were using it wrong. You know, we weren't, we weren't using it to talk about a sandwich or a run. We were using it to try and, and in our own stupid way, try to craft something that would entertain people, which, you know, is certainly one way of using it. I mean, that's how I use it. I do. I use it. I've always said I use it more as a publishing platform because it's, I can't, I can't have conversations with 200,000 people and I wouldn't try. Most of them are fake. Like most of them are robots. That's what you but, say, but there are, I think they're actual people. I mean, it's not nice to call people robots. Have you robots. ever gone and looked at your like follower list. It's really weird. Yeah. They're all real people and I know them all personally. Yeah. Sometimes I'll go in and look and see like, uh, I don't want to get the whole fake follower thing, but it's kind of weird. We just I see a lot of this is, like, this is the way that you sort of like try to be modest about it. But I think those are actual real people who really like you and who really like what you have to say on Twitter. Well, and that's why I'm somewhat fearless about saying stupid stuff and doing stupid stuff. I, I, I'm, I don't want to make my friends annoyed, 
But it, Twitter is so easy to just look at and then not look at. What frustrates me is when I go in and it's just a big giant poop of one topic and like a half-assed joke about it and another half-assed joke about the half-assed joke. And that's, that'll always be frustrating to me and I make no apology for that. But no, I'm grateful that people, you know, are there and like it, but it's really weird. I mean, you could be somebody like Sween where like poor Sween got stuck in the, uh, they jammed him into the like, do you want to follow this person thing? Same with Cordry. And like you get all these people following you and it's like, it's not actually that super duper fun because you go and look at your at responses and it's like, you know, who's Rennie Descartes? It's like, it's Rennie Descartes and you can Google it. It's not a big deal. But um, anyway, I'm intrigued. And so, but I just wanted to say like, I'm not sort of, um, I'm, not, I'm not backpedaling on any of the stuff that's bugged me about app.net, but I do see the appeal and I'm going to watch it. But uh, anyway, everybody's been talking about it. So I you know, wanted to get in on it. You know, get my little joke in. Yeah, get your, get your two cents in. Yeah. Yeah. Have you, have you looked at the Twitter uh, public timeline lately? They, I think they've officially deprecated it. But there's a way in. I don't remember how. Just, yeah, because when you go to twitter.com. Yeah, it's, yeah, I'm, it I'm Googling for it. I'm trying to quietly weird. Google for it. Yeah, but quietly. It's, um, <laughs> it's pretty funny. Like if you ever actually go and look at it these days and you real, I realize that I am using it very, very differently. Like from people, I don't understand. I, some, I sometimes feel like I'm having an MRI or something. Like I just, I don't understand like what is happening on, on Twitter. It's very, very confusing. But uh, that was it. That was it. But you're, you're enjoying it. It sounds like you're having fun with it. And what do you talk about? Do you, you talk about... Uh, what, on, on uh, Twitter? App.net. Yeah, we talk about computers. We talk about, you know, cool computers, cool uh, software. PC. Uh, a lot PC of people games. ask about the bacon thing. This mainly and, bacon. And that's and manageable. That's manageable for you to have right those now, conversations. Right now. Yeah. Has the amount of app.net, talking about app.net, died down? No. It's still a lot of, like, I have a ham radio kind of stuff. Ham radio? Come on. What I are you make reference all the time. You know that. Ham radio. Patty and Selma are sitting around. And uh, so they're talking about, you know, whether they're ever going to, you know, I think it's after Sideshow Bob, the Sideshow Bob debacle. And I think it's Selma. No, it's Patty. Patty says, well, I always have my ham radio. And they, sh- they, you know, cut over to a ham radio sitting on a table. And in some kind of Eastern European accent, subtitled, you see, I have a ham radio. <laughs> Using the ham radio to just mention that you have a ham radio. That's what app.net felt like at first. But anyway, nothing particularly interesting. But, you know, it's, uh, it actually does kind of go to a little bit of our, of our stuff here because it's very appealing. One of the things, whenever I would try and explain things to my relatives a few years ago about why I would waste my time on something like Twitter... Um, and you know, from a certain point of view, it is absolutely a waste of time. But the irony is that five years ago, most of my relatives were, they used Shutterfly and email. That was, that was how they, you know, um, interacted via the internet. I'm not trying to be reductive. Some of them have MySpace pages, but, (laughs) but like, I'm serious, (laughs) but like back then, but it wasn't something that adults did that much five or six years ago. And back when I was doing stuff on LiveJournal and like meeting a lot of like really good people who are now my really good friends on LiveJournal, I would always explain it in exactly the same way, which is to say that um, on the internet, well, first of all, it helps to understand that social, social media and sharing with people and stuff like that is a way to craft a certain kind of personality for yourself in public. Because by and large, you're, 
it isn't like branding brand or anything like that, but you're, <laughs> I love the way Marcus says that. But it is a way of like, you know, becoming a certain kind of person in front of people. Like, especially in the MySpace days, that was true. So, I mean, especially when you're younger, I think that that explains some of the appeal. Um, and, you know, I don't know, are people using it to like make arrangements for where to meet when they're younger? Yeah, I, don't I don't think so. I think they are. You don't Maybe. think so? I think they text a lot for stuff yeah, like that, probably. Yeah. Um, Glassboard is great for stuff like that. I mean, I find Glassboard very appealing. Like whenever there's an event, I've you know, or even just like if a few of us are going out to dinner, Glassboard's perfect for that. It's just it's what I really want out of something. Yeah. But the way I would explain it to my in-laws who are like, I don't understand. I'm good with you, and you talk about PPs a lot. And I say, well, you know, the thing about <laughs> any, any social media site or service is that it seems stupid until your friends are there. Everything seems stupid until your friends are there. A party can seem stupid until your friends are there. You know, anything's, anything's dumb until you like it. And then it doesn't seem so dumb anymore. That's smart. And, I like that one. Well, it's, I think it was true. LiveJournal, God, I make fun of LiveJournal too. I make fun of Tumblr. I make fun of all these things, but I, you know, I don't use LiveJournal anymore. But I mean, but I was really heavily involved in some little miniature like communities around music and stuff like that. You know, LiveJournal was way ahead of all of these sites by five or 10, really 10 years because they would allow you to have such uh, granularity in who you shared things with. You know, you could have things that you shared with one person on LiveJournal, even though it was a pseudo blogging site, you, you could do that. And it was, you know, uh, easy to do. But anyway, uh, you know, all I'm saying today is that it's easy for me to be an old man and go, oh, app.net, that's silly because, you know, there's elements about it that are silly. But, you know, I get it. If your friends are there, I, I get why you would do that. But I also feel, I feel such an extreme level of fatigue about all of the things that I have to check already. Do you know what I mean? I mean, yeah. I like looking at RSS. I like looking at Twitter. Um, but I mean, I have, a, I have this personal like night of the long knives every month or so in my uh, Google Reader where I just like get rid of so much stuff because I just, it's just, you know, too much. And, you know... It would be like, you know, living in a candy store. I mean, if you eat, you know, Jelly Bellies, you know, 10 times a day, eventually it's not going to be as appealing to you. And, uh, you know, that's kind of how I felt. So I don't know. I don't know. I'm going to keep an eye on it. But I'm glad to hear that you like it. And it sounds like you're, if I heard correctly, you and Marco, you feel like you're moving more of your day-to-day interactions. Not, not me. No, not me. Marco said not that. You. No. Not, I'm, I'm squarely, okay, so not. squarely happy on Twitter and net, um, app.net is a... Wonderful supplementary conversation for me right now. You use, um, it's interesting. I think one thing, there's so many interesting, not to me, we're going too long with this, but there's a couple things that are really interesting. It's uh, sometimes it's interesting to look at the way someone posts things like new, new toots with no at symbols in it versus how they respond to things. Like the, like the difference in the personality, almost as if they spoke English and then a second language, but the second language was their native language. And when you hear them enunciate and speak in the second language, they, they sound like a completely different person with a deep personality and strong opinions. And then in English, they're sort of a quiet, humble person. Is that exactly what you mean? It's exactly what I was going to say. I've got on a card right here, but you, for example, you respond to people a lot like how you use email. Which is <laughs> Boy. not honestly tersely, but yeah. you tend to respond to people very um, succinctly. I'll say, mm-hmm. pithy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I got a lot. I got a lot to do, but I want. I want to respond to them. I want to. Mm-hmm. I want to acknowledge that they took the time to say something, but I don't always have time to. So should I not? Should I just ignore them? No, no. I don't. I don't have an opinion on it. Wow. I mean, 
it's it's I think what you you should use it the way that you like. But you know, one of the frustrating things about Tim Ferriss is he said four or five incredibly smart things amidst all the uh, other things. And you one said you met that, him, right? Yeah, he's a nice guy. Um, but he, um, one of the things he said that I, I've really thought about a lot over the last few years, um, and this this sounds jerky or whatever, but you know, you get an email from somebody, yeah. Um, Not and the you, worst when that happens. <laughs> so bad. And you respond to into an email, and there's a pretty good chance that someone will respond to your response, which is the idea, right, in some ways, is to have these communications back and forth. But if you think about that at scale, it's kind of staggering. If, if, if every email that you answer creates three more emails for you, yeah. it's like <sighs> it's a high trust. It's terrible. Well, and that's what happens on Twitter also, is that I, I will respond to somebody and go, well, thank you for doing that, or that's great, or that link is really cool, or whatever. And then, and I'm not I'm trying to be critical, I'm just saying that like, when you do that, then that invites in other people. The thing, the thing that I try to keep in mind that was a hard lesson for me is that, this is one reason I, don't, I try not to argue with people on the internet, because there's so many things that are silly about that. But um, when, you, when you address anyone publicly on the internet, the web, whatever you want to call it... Um, you have to assume that every single person who hears it thinks it's about them. And so if you yell at somebody on the web, you're really yelling at everybody who reads it. And this goes all the way back to, you know, back in the day on BBSs, you know, there's such a mature culture around BBSs and what was okay to do. And that's, that's the first place where I ever was where they said, don't type in all caps because that means you're yelling. Well, the thing is, if you're not doing a, an offline message to somebody, you are talking to everybody and you are knowingly saying things in front of other people. And so two things to keep in mind, you know, you are, yes, you are, you're speaking where people can see and you're, it's not unusual at all for people to think that you're talking about them or to them. Um, and then on the other hand, it shouldn't surprise you when they respond in kind because that's what it's for. It's just that, you know, that hydra-like nature to me can be really like, oh, now I feel like I, 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 you know, I don't, not that I have to respond, I want to respond, but like I can't spend three or four hours tracking down every one of these. I think this has actually been helped a lot. Whenever Twitter introduced the thing that attached at responses to a message, I don't yeah. know how they do that. Right. So, that, that, that so what, what you're talking about is, let's say that you send a message, you type something funny, and I want to reply to that. This actually changed those, changed those things together so that my at response to you is tagged to that specific tweet that you made. Yeah, which That's is what you're talking about. I, yeah, I really, really like that. It's and really it makes good. It, yeah, but it also makes me crave stuff like I want to mute responses to this thing. Oh, so like you, you mean you say something, but then you don't want to hear any back talk. You don't want to hear any comments about it. Not necessarily. I may, <clears throat> no, I may reach a point where I say, well, I just, I can't. I don't want my entire um, response stream, you know, filled up. Well, here's an example. Maybe an example is what, uh, like what Marcus said with iPhone and iPad, where you mention these things and you get all these responses from, you know, robots about it. This is really boring. We shouldn't talk about this. Is this what people tune in for, do you think? I think this is what the people show? tune in for. I think absolutely this is what people tune in for. Um, but uh, I, I crave something. I crave something like Twitter that's a little more intimate. And Glassboard's actually pretty close to that for me. It's just that there's not that many things I have to say to my friends that I want the entire world to see. Mm -hmm. if, I, if I really think about what, you know, because the irony is that I do have friends and I do like talking to them. And the fact that I don't always talk to them in public is to me not that perplexing. I mean, to me, it's more perplexing to have conversations with celebrities that don't know who you are. Like, they'll see it, I guess. And that's, maybe that's the idea. Maybe it becomes something more like comments on a post. Right, they're not. Nobody's going to go and rewrite the blog post because you said 
good post or, you know, maybe they can correct an error. But um, I, I crave that idea of having a place where I can have those kinds of conversations. It's just that, you know, how do you, that's what, and again, this is why I like Glassboard because if we're going out to dinner with six people or you're, God, I'll tell you, if you're at someplace like South by Southwest, any conference, you want to get anything done, it's impossible to do with, with texts. I mean, it's, you know, even when you text to a group, it's still really, you know, random. It's great to have a place just that's just like a centralized little, you know, uh, campground that everybody can meet at. Anyway, we're not talking about grit. We should probably talk about grit. True grit. Yeah. We got, uh, we got, uh, we got, we got sponsors this week. Should we, should we talk about things we like? Yeah. Do you go first for a change. I'm going to go first. Yeah. Can, I, can I go first for a change? Yeah. Do you know about this, uh, this, uh, smile? Are you familiar with this company? I have heard of these guys. These are the ones, uh, who make, uh, some software, uh, for the Mac and, uh, iOS. Yep, I think that's uh, I think that's pretty close. Um, Smell Software makers of stuff like Text Expander, which I, I swear by. Uh, they uh, had a big week, huge week. They uh, just released their PDF pen for iPhone, and uh, I think uh, Gene Gray McDonald uh, sent you a code for that. I've been playing with it, and it's uh, it's crazy. You like <laughs> you like it? Well, I, you know the uh, the circle is complete at this point. Yeah. It's been really cool for a while. That so for people who don't know, shame on you. PDF Pen is a way to uh, take a PDF and do a lot more to it than you could do with something like Preview. You can annotate it. Um, you can, uh, I was going to say you can add notes, but I suppose that's annotation. You can doodle on it. You can, um, the one that I think you and I have talked about a lot is you can put a signature on a document. If some bonehead sends you a PDF that looks like a form but doesn't have form fields, you can add form, your own form fields to it and fill it in um, so you don't have to send stuff on the fax troll up. Um, it's really, it's, it's dynamite. There's just all kinds of things you can do. And what's neat about it now is, I mean, there are people who really do live in PDFs. So, you know, a lot of times you kind of groan, oh, PDF. But for people like lawyers or people who are uh, like scholars, there's a lot of stuff that you need to do in PDFs. So the first part of this that's great is PDF Pen, which you can get for iPad and iPhone and for um, OS X. Makes it easy to, to do these kinds of annotations. And they've, like I said, they've added stuff like doodling where you can like circle things and it's a great way to do things and collaborate. The other great thing is it uh, all syncs through iCloud. And, and this is where it gets real bananas because I played with it uh, a couple days ago and put it through its paces and it blew my mind. I took a, uh, I took a PDF, um, opened it up on my Mac. And then, and again, now I'm opening it up on my, on my uh, Lion right. Mac where the iCloud stuff is not as easy. And I was going, oh, I'm probably going to have to go somewhere and do something. But no, there's a little under the file menu. You just say, move this to iCloud. And it does. It takes the PDF. And as a test, I went in and typed in the name of the computer that I was on in a timestamp and saved it to iCloud. And it immediately showed up on my iPad and my iPhone, which already, which to begin with, when iCloud works, it's Disney magic. And so I opened it up on my uh, phone and I, and I added another, I said iPhone and another date stamp and saved it. And it was immediately on all these other devices. Went to the iPad, did the same thing. And the music goes around. This is really, really cool. Yeah. It's, it's a great feature. It's the future. Future way of the future. And uh, anyway, I can really recommend it to people. If you've got to do stuff with PDF, there's times where I end up reading a lot of like journal articles and it's nice to be able to go in and make all those annotations and, uh, and all that stuff all in one place and have it all synced together. Um, and the iCloud, I'll tell you, having that iCloud component and then having it work on iPhone is dynamite. Um, I don't know how much you play with it. <laughs> I, haven't, I haven't done this yet, but this blew my mind. I, I always like to go in and look at preferences, you know, to see what all's in there. And you can pick what kind of stylus you're using. For like, if you're using a stylus, you, they have three options for like which one you use, and I guess it adapts. I haven't used a stylus on it yet, but if you're on your iPad and you want to draw in it, it'll adapt like how it deals with 
what you're drawing based on what stylus you're using. That's, that's, a, that's a pretty nice touch. It's very cool. It's great. Um, and so anyhow, you can go to smallsoftware.com slash B2W um, and learn more about uh, the, these wonderful products. Um, and you will also see, a, uh, as always, the, the canonical video on these things by D Sparks. Uh, a great video on how he uses it, and he really uses PDF Pen a lot. Uh, like we say, it's available for iOS and OS X. And uh, boy, iCloud syncing can be such a pain sometimes, but in this case, this is one of those apps that gets it right, and uh, I found it very sensible to use, and I'm, I'm glad it exists, so I, I can highly recommend it. To good people, too. Did you know that? Um, I've met this uh, Gene person. Gina's Gina's uh, is 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 charming and she uh, came here. We went to that twenty four diner, or diner twenty four. What is that called? Twenty four diner, hmm. and uh, we had to, like gluten free stuff. It was great. Is she? Uh, no. Well, I know she she plays rock and roll. Is she is she gluten free? I don't I don't think so. Hmm. I mean, I can, don't think what she got was. But can you tell by looking at her? Hmm. No. Hmm. Hmm. I, I, I love hanging out with her when I see her someplace. Uh, she's very cool. Anyhow, um, uh, so small software uh, slash B2W, and please have a look at this. If you need to do anything with PDFs, this is another one of those. I've said this before, and it, I hope it doesn't sound like faint praise, but like there's certain kinds of tasks I don't like doing. And for the tasks that I don't like doing, I'm really grateful to have a tool that I like using. And it, it really it changes everything. Um, and that's how I feel about this. I mean, it makes me wish I had more reason to deal with PDS because it works great. So uh, smallsoftware.com slash B2W, check it out. And uh, we're very grateful to Smile for supporting 5 by 5 and back to work. Boom. August 19th, 2008 on Fives, five rejected names for Austin barbecue restaurants. Number one, the saltiest joint. Number two, suck the bone. Number three, unexpectedly covered in sauce. Uh, four barbecubert. I like I like that. Five Texas Pete's root and toot and pulled pork and fellatio fun factory. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's out there uh, out there on Briar. Two <sighs> pool a pond. Mm. Where are we? How many minutes in? Whoa! Wowie kazowie. Well, Sorry about talking that. about that for a long time. Dude. Forty-eight, forty-five. Hmm. Well, you know, people use this stuff a lot. You know, and you guys, you guys keep yammering on about it on all the shows. So I, I've been forced to think about it. So, you know, there you go. Can we move on to our, uh, our uh, theoretical topic? Sure. Uh, last week we talked about... Um, hey, Dan, can you tell people where to find uh, show notes for this you episode? You can go to 5by5.tv slash B as in boy, 2 as in the number, W as in women, slash 88, because this is the 88th episode. So please, mm-hmm. uh, please go there. And if you go to slash 87, you can see the stuff from last week with lots, lots of the, I won't relink. Nothing to declare, but my coconuts. (laughs) That's weird. That sounds, that sounds like a Mac break episode. It does. Wow. That's a a funny name. Wow. Um, so you can go, hmm? Nothing. Go ahead, Cole. And so, and sorry, first time Leo, Lur. You go in and uh, you can check out all the links and stuff. What we talked about last week was, um, well, really, I mean, for me, this all started out with reading an article last year in the New York Times um, about uh, by Paul Tuff on why people succeed or fail, in particular kids in school. And uh, we linked also to a really, uh, I think, a terrific episode of This American Life about Paul Tuff's stuff and related issues. Like, why is it that some people who are really smart uh, don't end up being as successful as people who are not, quote-unquote, as smart? What, what are there besides the um, cognitive skills that people have? What are the non-cognitive abilities that help people succeed? And 
Um, long story short, one of the things that has arisen out of this is this idea of grit, right? And it's hard to find one word for this. Is it, is it personality? Is it character? Is it, um, you know, uh, there's a million different ways to think of it, but my intrigue, my interest comes around that word grit, which is like, like we said, stick to itiveness. Um, what are some of the other ways we tried to describe that? So, you know, the fact that you, you don't quit something, you, st- yeah. you stay with it, you don't get discouraged, you power through in some ways. And that, and they, uh, in this, in his book, I think it's called Why, Why Kids Succeed. Is that what it's called? Um, Why Children Succeed. And it's, you know, he's really coming at it from a, a couple interesting points, which is that, you know, A, first of all, that not all people who are really smart and have great cognitive skills do well. And that, you know, at the same time, people who do have these difficult to describe skills around sticking with things and not getting discouraged and being able to, um, you know, not jump for the immediate gratification are somehow able, they can quantify actually that people are more successful if they have those skills, even in some cases over the fact that they're quote unquote smart. So we talked about that last week. Um, because it's not part of the uh, core curriculum, right? Especially not in Florida schools. No, you don't want to do the Florida sh- show today, do you? I'm not ready. I'm not ready. I can't do it today. Okay. Can't do it today. And that's going to take some work. Yeah. <clears throat> but um, anyway, and I got, we, got, uh, we got some mail about that, and I got some nice responses uh, from people about that. It sounds like it's interesting to some people. So I thought in the uh, seven minutes we have left this week... <laughs> Maybe we could talk about, um, if you like, and I haven't prepared anything. I, I brought you a question. I have not brought you an answer. Okay, go ahead. But why is it, why is it we don't have the grit sometimes? Mm. And what, what, what can we do to get grit? And what, the, the one thing I was thinking about, where are places where we had the grit and managed to keep it? Have we defined grit well enough at this point? I think so. And I mean, if we haven't, they just go listen back to the last one. We don't want to rehash the whole thing out. Well, yeah, exactly. Um, we don't. We don't. But I want to, you know, for people who are just checking in, I just want to make sure. I mean, the the best example I could think of from last week's show was just talking about these friends of mine who I regard as being very smart, but they don't make as much stuff as they'd like, right? They, the, the, the thing that I was kind of casting about for is like, what is this combination? And I, this is my addendum to this, I guess. But is there some combination of confidence and intuition that makes some people more able to decide what they're going to do and then see it through to completion. Confidence and intuition. I think, yeah. I mean, intelligence or cognitive skills, yeah, I mean, obviously, that's, I guess that's big. Like, you, it helps to not be stupid in life, I suppose. But, you know, th- there are people that are not the sharpest knife in the drawer that have done some pretty amazing things. And I guess I just think about having just grit may not be enough. And I think one of the roads to getting to how we develop more grit has to at least partly go through why we don't have it. And I think one reason we may not have it is because we lack that confidence and intuition. Like, what is it, if we don't know what to be gritty about, then why would we have it? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It goes back a little bit to the care and sacrifice thing that we're all, I'm always talking about, I suppose. But, you know, is it that you don't care enough about it? Is it that you don't have to do something you know, I think a, a really a, a sounds a slightly more quotidian way to put it is why do we quit things? Like why do we, or why do we abandon things? Well, you know, what is it that makes us just not try at something anymore? Mm, right. Do you know? I think part of it is the lack of positive feedback from it for a lot of folks, for me included in that, is that if you're, if you're working on something 
And it doesn't seem to be working. It doesn't seem to be happening. It doesn't seem to come together the way that you expected. Expectations are off. It's another reason. Your own expectations of yourself? Of yourself or just you want... Or, or the, yeah, the outcome of what The outcome have. of what you're working on too. Right. I see that. I see that in my you know daughter. What I'm talking about. I do. I see it in my daughter, and, I, and I'm, you know, you see it in, in grownups too. But I think I'm guessing a lot of parents have seen, you know, if I can't do this thing the first time, I get frustrated and don't want to try it again. And you know, how do you how do you encourage someone to say, well, you know, you you're going to learn to write someday, so it's okay. It's you're not going to get it perfect the first time, but you still got to keep trying. You're going to have to go poo poo on the potty eventually. It's just a thing we do. Right. How do you how do you encourage someone in that direction, you know, without browbeating them or without giving them anxiety about it? And we didn't talk about this last week, but this is I went back and re-listened to that This American Life. Another huge aspect of why people don't get the grit is, you know, being in adverse economic conditions and dangerous situations. And at one point somebody actually talks about that whole, you know, being chased by a bear thing we're always talking about, where your adrenaline goes up and is it cortisol? Is that the stuff that causes uh stress? Um, that, that a lot of times you are so repeatedly, you, you're in such a stressful environment all the time that you may not develop the skills that help you see beyond the next bear attack. And so you're so, you get so stressed out about things that you're basically looking for somebody you have to fight, you know, rather than, um, thinking about something more creative or long-term that would take a different state of mind. I'm putting this poorly. Um, but I'm trying to think of another example of that. But we talked about board games. We finally found a board game we like. That's really fun. And it's what not is annoying. Not, not like Candyland, right? No. No, it's this Curious George game that's very easy and fun to play. It's like Curious George hide and seek at the zoo or something like that. And it's instantly fun for everybody. And so you have to go and it's kind of a matching, a little bit of a matching game. But it's got this little walkie-talkie robot that tells you when to do things. And at some point, you have to go play hide and seek. In the middle of the game, it's actually really fun, and then you got to go find the person. You get cards, um, but you know, there's a. Sorry, I was talking about my kid, but she did something. She was doing something for a while. She still does it a little bit, um, but it always makes me laugh, and it's always a little frustrating. But I get why she does it. Where you know, there will be something to learn, like what, uh, like how to cut up a carrot, or how to do a somersault, mm-hmm. or how to do you know, whatever, something that actually requires a, a skill and has a downside if you don't do it, learning ballet. And I'll say, well, you know, but I'm trying to make a correction. She's like, I already know how to do that. I already know how to cut a carrot. I already know how to do a somersault. I already know how to do ballet. And she doesn't, but you know, <laughs> you can't, I don't want to, I don't want to squash her, her, her dream catcher, but you know, then when she does it and she falls down, she gets frustrated. And I think that's kind of what you're talking about. Totally. If you're new to something and you haven't succeeded at it enough, there's no reason to think you'll ever be able to do it. What? So you play guitar. Did you ever, wait? Now, did you play in band? I don't remember. I in, mean, did you in, play in like school band? No, no. I did play instruments in the school in in the school band, but it was horrible, horrific, even as was my playing. But uh, guitar, I played in you know with friends in a in a band in the way that one plays in a band that never actually really plays anywhere. Where you come up with a name and a logo. You have a name and all of that stuff. But You got yeah. your next five albums already named. <laughs> right. There's song titles without the songs to go behind them. That kind of <laughs> but, thing. But uh, <laughs> this is going to be our ballad. Two of the guys don't have amps. Nobody has a car. <laughs> right. You can just plug into my amp. We'll all go through the same amp. 
Well, this is I, I, that's actually an interesting thing. Um, like I, for some reason, I guess, and maybe another word to bring in is motivation. Like I felt really motivated to learn guitar when I was 15. It was really frustrating, but I stuck with it because I really wanted to play guitar a lot, which is only interesting in the context of all the instruments I abandoned as a child. Like I, I had trombone lessons and I hated it. I had accordion lessons and I hated it. And it was just, it was so tedious because you like how many times can you play little brown jug poorly before you just want to kill yourself <laughs> <laughs> and accordion man god you think it's annoying to hear Ugh, it's, it's, it's almost as annoying to play because it's all these multiple skills you gotta, you gotta work the bellows you gotta hit the buttons with your left hand you gotta you just look like a dork the whole time you know it's but you know i, I would always give up i mean I, I even gave up on music theory like i learned just enough music theory to like be dangerous i mean i can if i sit there and and use the mnemonics i can tell you what note something is on a staff but i found it completely frustrating and in every single inst- instance i just gave up and i have to say for myself i think it's cuz i did not care about playing trombone parts it wasn't fun accordion like on a saturday morning when i wanted to be watching batman was like the worst when i was 10 years old was like the worst thing in the world so it was extremely easy to abandon. Oh, I also tried trumpet. I was going to be in a, like a, a brass and drum marching band when I was like 11. Quit that. But, I mean, that was one for me. It was very, I mean, like... I it's had very easy with, to quit things if, if your parents didn't... Well, as long as you tried hard. Yeah, Ma, I tried. I don't want to go a, anymore. <laughs> I have such a clear recollection of coming home and like carrying a trombone on a bus is the worst. I mean, it's just... It sucks. Gosh, why did you pick trombone? I didn't. Mrs. Philip Park did. I really Jeez. wanted. Isn't that an awesome name? That's a. That's a. That's they a didn't let you pick. No. Did they give you a choice, or they just I handed it to play, you? I wanted to play sax, which is a much more difficult instrument to learn, but way more fun to play. I mean, I'm, yes, there are great trombone players. I mean, there's a Dorsey that's good at it, I believe, but uh, I think he's deceased. But you know, it's like. It's like, it's the worst. And it's just enough to learn. But then you sit there, I'd have to go home. And on the one hand, I could watch cartoons. Or I could sit here in a chair with this broken music stand and this, this huge folder full of music and sit there and practice Little Brown Jug for like two hours. It sucked. It was so boring. And I, I, I hated every second of it. And in retrospect, I think it's probably just because I didn't like the music. I, I didn't find it fun to do, and I just didn't want it enough. You know, it's um, I find I find myself saying this thing sometimes. It's really annoying, and, and I catch myself when I say it. But I'll see somebody like like that uh, like that dude we talked about last week. That that guy with the uh, the Illustrator that we were looking at on Tumblr. Oh yeah, God, he is so good. I look at that, and the, the, I find these words. I'm gonna put him in. You know what? I'm gonna put him in the show notes again. Link him up. Link him up. Um, I find myself saying this really stupid thing. Is I wish I could draw. Oh, I wish I could draw. Which is so silly. That's Why like is that silly? Oh, I wish I could fly a plane. What's silly about that? Oh, I wish I could downhill slalom ski. Well, why don't you practice? <laughs> the only way you learn to draw is by drawing a lot. And I've never drawn a lot. I would, for like five years, I would go this through this quarterly thing. There were these quarterly manias that I would have in, until as recently as a few years ago where I would go, okay, that's it. I'm going to pull out my dog-eared copy of drawing on the right side of the brain and I'm going to learn how to draw. I'm going to buy some pencils. I'm going to get a case for the pencils. I'll get a case for the pencil case. I'll like get all these toys and now I'm going to draw. And then I get frustrated and quit. I'm talking about like it being in my late 30s and still doing this. Yeah. Ditto for like piano. Like I really want to learn piano, but it's hard. 
It takes a long time. You got to try really hard. But, you know, it's funny because from a remove, I look at that and I go, I wish I could draw. And then I, I catch myself and I'll say, no, what I really wish is that I'd had the grit to start drawing earlier and kept drawing through the times that I sucked. You know, I mean, the first time you sit down and try, try to draw Thor and have it look like Jeff D, it's not going to turn out great unless you're tracing it. You know what I mean? Le, you know, do you remember him? Remember him? Yeah. Remember Jeff, Jeff D? Yeah. He's my favorite. He's my favorite of the D&D illustrators. But, you know, I, I am so left-brained that it's, it's mind-boggling. I mean, it really, everything I draw really does look like a circle with other circles. Right? Or, you know what I mean? I really need the whole, like, you know, draw tippy thing for, <laughs> like, you know, imagine a grid. You know, maybe it's that I don't have the brain for it. But, you know, so, so the examples I was going to give, drawing, um, playing an instrument, any of that stuff. So stuff that for other people seems so easy. Well, it seems easy because they tried really hard and stuck with it. And then I get frustrated myself again for thinking that it's as simple as saying, I wish I could draw. Because I don't think there's that many people that just wake up one day, pick up a pencil and have a quote unquote gift. You know? But I didn't stick with it because it was hard. What do you fail at? Pretty much everything. Mm. We wouldn't have a show without it. That's true. We wouldn't have much to talk about. Well, the uh, roundabout question I guess I'm trying to ask is like, well, there were some things that turned out okay. Like you ended up, not even ended up, it sounds like you really took to programming from a young age and liked it and it made sense to you. Well, no, okay, so this goes back to the comment that you just made. Um, I feel that I, I learned how to program and that positive feedback loop was there. And in other words, I sat down and I started the program. I started to write code. And the code was both fun and, I don't want to say easy, but easy in the sense that when I did it, it seemed to be rewarding and fulfilling. So that, of course, I was making mistakes and learning as I was doing it. But the feedback that I got from doing it, including those mistakes most of the time, was positive and I was good at it. Now, I also tried to draw when I was young and I did not get that kind of feedback from it. I did not have that kind of positive experience. I would try to draw and I was capable of producing things that were probably better than my peers, but I didn't enjoy it the way that I might have enjoyed the other things. In fact, it, it usually felt awful. So I would stop doing it because it didn't feel good to do it, even though the results might have been good. Compare so that to writing. Were, compare that program, to writing. Compare that to right. writing. Writing was both very easy, very natural, and took almost no effort for me. And I, I think we've talked about this, but like those hive logic posts that you claim to have read and claim to have liked. I do claim. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, the longest of them and the most, I mean, I, I almost never edited. Those are all initial sit down, write in one take and publish kind of things. Almost no editing, usually no editing. And they, on average, it took me 15 to 20 minutes to write them start to finish. It's amazing. Okay. So it felt good to do it and it was easy to do, but, not the case with most other things. So it, the other things, and I almost had it to a fault because I I think I'm a pretty good writer, but 
I knew that I could do that. And so then the things that were hard, I would like avoid those things. And mm-hmm. at least until I was a, a young adult and I, I got my head, I got my mind right, as you would say. Mm-hmm. Um, only way out is through and such. But back, back in, in, the, in the young days, if I wasn't good at something when I kind of walked up to it, and maybe it was a confidence thing or an insecurity thing, or I don't know, but it was like, oh, I'm not good at that. I'm not going to try doing it. And it took me years to say, well, you know what? The, the part of the journey is trying and not doing well and figuring out how to do well. So this goes back to your, I wish I could draw thing and putting in the time. That was something I had to learn as a, as a young adult and, and something I, I sure wish I'd learned as a child. I don't know right. if that's kind of, you know, I'm sorry if that derails. No, not at all. I think it's, it's isn't, right on point, isn't but... Jeff D the one that did Expedition to the Barrier Peaks? I mean, that's my favorite module. Is that the one with the spaceship? Mm-hmm. That's my favorite too. I think the, um, he did, was that the Errol guy? You know, that one dude? It might've been him. He, yeah, you know what? He might've. What? What, he are you, what are we talking about? Oh, well, Jeff D's in Austin. Did you, you know, know that? Yeah, and you can pay him to make stuff. I'm so paying this. I, I came dude. this close to having him to, to like seeing what it would cost. For, I think it was like 700 bucks. Where like I was wishing he would do the uh, "You Look Nice Today" logo, but he he works for hire. You just hire him, and he'll he'll draw something for you. I'm hiring him today. Five bucks. Can you, can you put some of his stuff in notes? He has a Kickstarter project that got backed in March of 2012, recreating my art from Expedition to the Barrier Peaks. No yeah. way. In the show notes. Oh, man. It's in the show oh, notes. Man, that is so cool. I always, I would just sit there and look at deities and demigods. At, 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 the Nordic one is the one I'm remembering. And, oh, he also did Elric of Melnabone. Made me want to read that book. That's one of the three fantasy books I've read. Because <laughs> it looks so cool. That guy could draw a sword. Wow, that's super cool. Well, he's, he's a young man. He's only 51. Look at that. Yeah, how old do you well, think? Well, now I hate was? him. Now he was successful when I was young too. Wow, that's brutal, brutal. Um, but but you know, this is this is a little bit vapid, I guess. But like, what? So what? What is it that makes some of that? I'm always so reluctant to fall back on anything like like whatever talents and gifts and all that stuff because it just maybe I'm resistant because I like I, I hate to believe that that's what you have to have to to be good at something. But but maybe that's the case. But like you. Wow, he's got a lot of stuff about atheism too. <laughs> wow, Jeff D. Um, oh, here's a here's a good one of the Paladin. Oh, I got to get you this. How do I get you this? Send it to me on the robot. I'll try. It's not easy to do first. But in the case I of in the, the case thing. of um, programming for you or uh, development, whatever you want to call it, but mm-hmm. it's not necessarily just that it like came easily for you. It it's came. Just, e- no, it did come easily. Or come, oh, come, come easy, that. as you say. That's a paladin. That is one of my alt. And look at that sword. Do you know how many times I tried to draw sword, this? Ex- right? Yeah, I think so. That's a vorp puzzle. It's a vorpal. Could you, you know, you can't use a vorpal sword if you're a paladin because you're going to be lawful good, dude. You can't chop paladins, off people's paladins heads. Have to be, paladins have to be lawful good. Yeah, but you can't have a vorpal sword if you're lawful good. Is that right? I, I hmm. Unless they changed up the rules. Right. Wow. I, you know, a lot, of, a lot has changed. 1979, he did this. <gasps> That's so depressing. He must have been in like his late teens, early 20s. So dep- He must have been 20 when he did this. Isn't that crazy? Man, I wonder if he's ever done comics. This is beautiful. Um, but, you know, but uh, anyway, I, I always try to avoid that because it always sounds like BS to me. Like the, the, I used to believe in talent and I used to believe in gifts, but I don't know. The more I learn about them, the more I think like, well, it's funny. How do you put this? Like, yes, talent and gifts do exist. 
And yes, there are tricks that help you get better at something. But I'm really resistant to think tricks make you great at something. And I'm really hesitant to say I can't do something because I don't have quote-unquote talent or a quote-unquote gift. Because there are so, so many innumerable examples of people who did get good at something by trying a lot. And I don't know, maybe it's just that we, you know, that again, that Howard Gardner thing about the different kinds of intelligence. I mean, some of us are intelligent in different ways. It's just how it is. The, you know, I mean, for a long time, they thought people who repaired boats were not very smart. And now today we go, well, that's mechanical skill. That means something. Some people have um, emotional skills that make them better at dealing with people. You've certainly met people who are crazy smart, but can't have a conversation with somebody. Sure. Um, you know, and I, I've used this example before, but like my brother-in-law, like he did terrible in school. And I mean, he was, you know, they were going to put him in the Brown group, you know, like he was not doing great. He was never told that he was smart. He was never told that he was capable. It was more, always more like, well, D minus, buck up. Mm. But now he installs electronics in boats like he's ringing a bell. Like the guys, and he's really crazy successful. Um, and we should put that Howard Gardner book in, um, in the uh, notes too. But, you know, that must be part of it, that there's certain kinds of things. But the, the, the thing that I'm casting about for is that it's not that things are necessarily easy, but that they make sense. You talked about, I think last week, about when you took geometry the first time and you were like, like what? Or was that right? Like you, but you took geometry and because of the programming, you went, oh, this is like programming. Like you memorize these theorems and you do these things, you apply these patterns and you had like a, a framework for understanding it. I think there's certainly people who have that with music. I mean, somebody like uh, JXPX uh, 777-1138, who famously did his music theory homework in pen, much to his uh, teacher's frustration. He's just one of those guys that gets stuff. There's certain kinds of things that Jamie just gets, and I really envy that. Um, I've talked about my friend Bob Anthony, who had perfect pitch and described it as being like, the way you see blue, I hear F sharp which is the first explanation of perfect pitch that made any sense to me. But like, so, yeah, there's certainly these gifts and these nascent things. There's the intelligences. But like, what is it that makes me, what is it that made me quit trombone but pick up guitar? Or that made me stick with it through the times I didn't suck? I never got great at it, but it's, I think it's because I really wanted it. You know, I hate to turn it into some kind of like Horatio Alger story, but I, in my own framework <laughs> for understanding this, it comes back to like how much you want it. Don't, don't you think, kind of? And if you don't have a reason to want it, if you were raised, let's say, in Florida, yeah. like I, we talked about this in um, in E7, but like... That's a I good just, one. That's a good one. I, I always felt like uh, I never... Uh, some of my friends and people I went to college with, like they knew from the day that they understood the word that they would go to college because that's just what you do. I never really felt like that was... I certainly never felt like that was a guarantee you know, money-wise, or it just it just seemed like another planet to me to go to college. Whereas everybody else was, so many of my friends were like taking AP courses and in the summer they take classes and get into a good school and all that stuff. I mean, I just, I went to college when I just couldn't figure out anything else to do. Cause it, but you know what I mean? It was like, um, what am I struggling to say? I never felt like the horizons that were defined for me in school included a lot of things that I value today. And, and I think a lot of, when you, when you show a kid what they're capable of, or you encourage them to understand that they're capable of something much more and much different than what they're doing, it's an artful thing. But I mean, to me, that's when you make a better person. I just, I feel like there are certain kinds of things where I was constantly told that I was smart or I was told that I was clever or whatever, but I didn't feel like I was told, and you'll go to college and do well. Yeah. I, maybe I was and didn't get it, but like, 
there's an art, there's a artful, or as you like to say, a black art, <laughs> to being the person who pu- pushes somebody, not pushes somebody, but encourages somebody in that direction at the times when it matters. And I think that must make a huge difference. You know, I, I, where did I read this? But it's a famous old saw. But the idea that, you know, you can't, it's this, in some ways goes back to the Dreyfus model of skill acquisition, but you can't be a good teacher until not only, not only do you understand the material, but you understand the people that you're teaching and their level of expertise. If you've ever had a teacher who taught way over your head or way under your abilities, you know how frustrating that can be. The best is when you can work directly with somebody who knows exactly where you are and can help you understand what's next and can phrase things in a way that's sensible. And I guess I feel sometimes that's for the things that I quote unquote failed at, it's because I never had a framework for putting those things in place. Does that make any sense? Yeah, the framework is the part that, that makes sense. The framework. Like if you're raised, if you're raised in a household where there's been a lot of travel. Let's say your parents traveled, you traveled a lot as a kid. You know, there's just some families, I didn't realize this until really college, but there's some families, especially with money, like who just go places. And people like Roderick, who have like traveled the world. I mean, it's mind boggling to me when I meet people who have been, oh, like, yeah, sure, I've been to, you know, this really obscure place in Asia, or I've, you know, done that. And that was never part of my life. Like travel to me was something functional you did to visit family. It was never something where you would just go somewhere and wander around. So I'd never had a framework for that. I think if I ever had a window for that, it passed many, many years ago. But if you're from a family, another way to put it is if you're around a family who reads books. If you're surrounded by books your whole life, you're probably going to be more inclined to read. Yeah. If you're surrounded by music, there's always music happening. You're free to wander around and drop this Benjamin Britten record. Like, you know, <laughs> you're going to, you're going, geez, did you see uh, that uh, Wes Anderson movie? Which one? The Moonrise Kingdom. No, I haven't seen that one. So good. Um, it's out and you can get it on the thing now. Um, I think that's, that's more likely, you know, you see this everywhere. I mean, how many people have you met where you're like, well, I'm a psychologist, a psychiatrist, both my parents were psychiatrists or, or whatever. The framework means that, the framework in this case means that you can understand the world in a certain way based on what you've been encouraged to look at a lot. Are you laughing? Mm-mm. I sound like you're laughing. No, there's papers being shuffled around during the show, but that's all right. Yeah. You should tell me about something you like. Oh, I, it's my turn to go? It's your turn. I checked. I it's my turn. Harvey Dent and I'm flipping coins. It's my turn. Mm. You ever had a single moment's thought? <laughs> <laughs> I promise myself every week that I'm going to memorize that and surprise okay. you. Okay. Shutterstock.com. This is our, uh, our second sponsor of the day. These guys really, really are great. And uh, I recommend everyone go and, and check these out the next time that you're looking for. doesn't really matter what it is. You want stock photos? They got that. Vectors, illustrations, video clips. I mean, you name it. If you're looking for something to, to put on your website, blog, you're designing something, you got a print ad you want to do, you're making swag for a trade show, because you, you can get from these guys, you can get this, what they call an enhanced license for any image that they have, and you can use it pretty much any way that you want. Not a lot of sites will let you do that. Uh, one of the other things that they have that I really like is when you go and you find something that you want, let's say it's an image, and you want to use it, and you want the high-res version, you have to pay extra for that. They're nickel and dime you, Merlin. They just let Dan, you have... I got to be honest with you. Go I ahead, Colin. You know me. I'm sorry. Uh, for, uh, first time. I got nothing. A streak of water. Uh, <laughs> I, I feel nickel and dimed a lot of the time. I, when I click that radio button where it costs more credits, I get so angry. You know me, though. I don't, I, I don't, I don't, I don't FUD. But boy, that drives me nuts. And they don't do that. You're saying these guys, these guys are not... It's checked. one price. 
One pro- you're telling me, let me understand this. If you want, if you want a little fav- fav- favicon, if you want a favicon, if you want a favicon sized one, it costs this much. If you want one that's, that's the giant butt sized, it's uh, it's the same price. Same price. You don't need same a credit price. card. You don't need any of that stuff. And when you when you go there, uh, you start looking around at stuff and you see something that you like. They have this cool light box. So instead of like I, I, the old way to do it is you have to go and click through and you open everything up in a tab and you're trying to compare them. You have to do that with these guys. You just go and throw it in your light box. You want it. You're ready to buy it. You buy it. They also have an iPad app that lets you do all this stuff. They're really, really cool. And the images that they have are really, really good because they work with independent photographers and artists and folks all around. So, you know, you're not just paying these guys money. You're helping support independent people who make a living from, uh, from creating stuff, making stuff. So, uh. It's pretty cool. Anyway, if you need help, you have questions, you're there and you don't know what you want to do, you're going to, you're going to get an account rep and they have 24-hour support during the week. So they really have it all figured out. And you can just go to Shutterstock.com. You sign up for free, like I said. And here's the deal. There's a special code. You'll get 30% off anything once you've you know, set up a package and decide what you want to purchase. 30% off if you use the code back... Wait, is this back to our 10 now? Because it's back to our 10. It still says 9. Back to work 10 is the offer code for, uh, for October. 30% off. Maybe I just looked at the wrong one. That's I a lot of percent, Dan. I don't know how they do that, but 30% off. Back to work 10 at Shutterstock.com. Check them out. Thanks very much to the Merlin way. Thanks very much to Shutterstock for supporting Back to Work in 5x5. Five five. Yeah. Got them kind of backwards, but that's okay. Oh, you I say 5x5 five five and I, back to work? Yeah. I started doing that just on my own. I didn't even know. I know you didn't even even run it past me. It was great. Yeah. Oh, I should probably run more things past you. (sighs) I don't know. I, um, this is probably a really boring topic, but I, um, but, uh, back to the Twitter thing. I, uh, I've always, not always thought of myself. I, I, today, if I think about whatever, I don't think of myself as a smart person, I think of myself as a clever person, which is a very dangerous thing to be. Like I can make a remark about something really fast and it can work in context, but I'm not like smart and I can sometimes be funny. And that doesn't, that's not that hard for me in certain contexts to be funny. But I do feel like I would trade that in a second to be able to draw like that dude on Tumblr. You know what I mean? It's like people with really, really, people with really straight hair wish they had curly hair. And people with curly hair wish they had straight hair, you know? That's true. And that's hard. It's true. It really is true. Um, But I mean, that's emblematic of this this bigger thing, which is the things that come easily to us, the things for which we have a framework. All of those things, you go like, well, of course, everybody should be able to do that, right? Well, this has got to be easy for, like in your case, you... I just imagine your brain being like, uh, I don't know, when, uh, when Batman puts on the, the glasses and can see through the floors of the uh, building. Like, y- you have an ability to understand the logic of movie. code. It's a really good... I had no idea how good that movie was going to be. That Prisoner's Dilemma thing yeah. towards the end? Yeah. Wow, that was really well done. But, um, I, you know, how can I put this? There's, um, there's, there's a certain kind of skill to see what... I can't think of a better phrase than the big picture. Um, a lot of the people who I've met that are successful at things have an uncanny ability to see the big picture. And I think there's a lot of ways to look at that. Uh, we've talked before about being in a meeting um, and being in a meeting with people who get so mired in details. Um, you know, 
I've certainly been in a lot of nerd meetings. I've been responsible for a lot of nerd meetings where we just sat around and got mired down in implementation details long before we'd made a higher level decision about what we were making. And the kinds of implementation decisions we would make should be heavily governed by this big picture. But if you get the right person running a meeting, they know how to stop the rat holes from happening. And they also know how to make sure that the meeting is elegant in the sense that you only cover what needs to be covered with that group of people at that time. And, I'm, I'm, and that sounds so simple, but it really, there's a million things tied up in that idea. It's understanding the people who work above you and below you. It's understanding development priorities. It's understanding all these intangibles that you can't even really describe to people, right? This is part of leadership. It is, it's very difficult to articulate what makes somebody great at it. But boy, it makes all the difference in the world. And in my head, in the same way that my friend Bob can hear an F sharp, like I see blue, you know, for certain people, I think the things that we are attracted to and the things we stick with are the things that, as you say, we have the framework for, or, or it's the thing where we get the big picture. And I think they might be a little different. But does that, does that, that kind of make sense, right? Yeah, that makes sense. Where, whereas I might sit there and copy, like I've joked about, joke seriously, about copying lines. I did this today. I had to install uh, this open source thing today. And I'm just, I'm, I'm literally copying the line with like the CD in it. Like, I mean, I'm just, I'm sitting there and I'm dragging folders into the terminal and I'm just like a little monkey, you know, trying to follow the directions for how to install this thing. Yeah. yeah. For these dependencies, I got to go read how to get, you know, this templating thing in Python. And because uh, I'm a monkey at that stuff, it doesn't come to me naturally. I can't look at Unix as a <laughs> worldview. I'm better than I was five years ago, but I can't look at that whole world of Unix and instantly know what I need to know to get by. You know, like, like, again, the Dreyfus model, like somebody who is a novice, I have to follow recipes and read lists in order to do it. But I'm, I'm finding myself coming back to that talent and gift thing. But I think this is the way is there's some people who are able to see the big picture in a way that makes it easier to not quit. And that could be somebody like that I went to high school with who saw the big picture of it really does matter to go to college. Right there, there are other people like in like the person in the meeting who says, "No, wait a minute, that's an implementation implementation detail that we are in no position to even discuss at this point." Or you guys can talk about it offline. Does does that does that maybe that's the same thing as framework? But yeah, the stuff. Well, kind of. Maybe another way to put it is, I find it so easy to quit things to have to not have grit. I find it so easy to quit things where either the value is not apparent to me or the amount of work exceeds the good feeling that it gives me to be working on it. And back to your example of writing, back to your example of learning music, like today, like if, or in 1982, if I sat down with Tablature and learned Pinball Wizard, I could feel myself getting less sucky at that every day. And that was a reward. It meant so much to me to be able to play that song yeah. that it made me want to keep going. Now, if I had sat down with Little Brown Jug and like a Mel Bay, like ukulele book, like I'm not sure that I would have stuck with it as long because I could give a fig about Little Brown Jug. What do I have against Little Brown Jug, Dan? I don't What's even, I don't Jug know that I've ever heard that song. I think it might be Jimmy Crack Corn. Is this the one in the summertime where they play a jug or is it something different? No, you're thinking of Mungo Jerry. I yeah, Mung, Mung, Mungo. In the summertime, in the time. I think Little Brown Jug is also Jimmy Crack Corn. You know, did you know that Twinkle Little Star <laughs> is also the alphabet song? I I just recently figured that out, actually. Figured that out like a year ago. That's crazy. It's completely... Like, it hit crazy. me, and I'm like, wait a minute. Because I thought I was singing the one wrong. I'm like, no, that's, that's not wrong. Right. How do they it's, do that? I mean, it, that's got to be a copyright it's thing. It's one of the most embarrassing... <laughs>
<laughs> it's one of the most embarrassing realizations of the last 20 years yeah. for me. Total, no, totally is. I remember I was in college um, one day. I was probably high. And I said to myself, if I said you had a beautiful body, would you, would you hold it against me? Right. And I, it was like, bow, now, now, now. And I realized <laughs> that it was a double entendre. And I really, I thought it was just somebody asking, you know, whether somebody would be mad at him. But country music brought us so much in the late 70s. Yeah. And maybe one reason it's hard to get the grit later is because seeing the big picture and having the framework becomes easier when you're young. They talk about people learning languages. Um, Eleanor's got a couple friends that are in these immersive language programs. That's why they send them like to a, to a camp or a school or a three-week thing where they only speak the other language from day one. Yeah, there's a school. Seems so name. awful. Like, I mean, I think it's probably great that they learn the other language, but well, you, sounds, you, it sounds miserable. It sounds me. miserable for the kid. Like, that's, that's the kind of thing that, like, you yeah. you you'll be you'll be in therapy in your thirties, and you'll be like, they sent me to this school without yammering. I'm just a heavy French. guy who likes comics. Yeah, I need I need my yammering. That's why I don't go. It's to like a, a surefire way to make sure they never want to speak French again. Oh, maybe in sewer. I. Yes. Uh, there's a couple of them. Uh, one of our one of our friends goes to Mandarin uh, immersion. There's a really uh, I forget the name. There's a famous French immersion school um, here in town. But you know there are certain kinds of things like and again because I poisoned my daughter's mind with comics. It's ridiculous how much she retains and how much she tells me where she'll go like whatever you know like no that's not in the background way in the background that's not Zemo. that's wonder man and i'm like who's wonder man but she knows she picked that up somehow it's it's crazy she remembers she corrects me all the time because she's like a little sponge she picks that stuff up you know and here's but like related to the kid thing or the and not our kids but me kid thing it's it's funny how um i used to really be into baseball when i was a kid i was into playing baseball no but kidding. i was yeah, hugely. No, I, that um, being completely serious, that I actually know. really surprises I me. Oh, I could. There's a lot of ways I could surprise you. Dan. Let's see it. Show me. What about this? Does that surprise you? <laughs> wow. Second knuckle. I, uh, I, you know my Steve Garvey story, right? No, go ahead, caller. After dark. Okay. Seventy nine Dodgers met them all. <laughs> Saw Davy Lopes' cock. Who? Hmm. Huh? Davy Lopes. Okay, I saw his cock and his jock. Is this? Do you think what? Never mind. Hell, hell, hell infielder. <laughs> yeah, well, sort of. Met them all after mm. dark. Um, well, wow. Now I'm really now I'm thinking about Davy Lipsis Johnson. Wow, it was embarrassing. You know, when you're a little kid and you see see one of those kinds of things, that's rough. That's like growing up in a jalopy and seeing a rolls go by. God, he was gifted. I um, I was really into baseball, and uh, for some reason, framework, big picture. I, my retention, well, you know, like the jokes with us and Caddyshack and all the things like is how insane is it that, that you in particular can pull up the exact line from something so easily. Like we, you've got the little drawers and shelves in your head where that stuff fits. In my case, that was baseball statistics. You know, that's fascinating um, to me. Like, and because that's something like I, I can memorize lines from movies. I can do all that kind of stuff, but like facts and numbers and like, Oh, what year was this colony established or, you know, what, what RBI, whatever. Like, I can't do any of that. Like it's, it's always super, ever, 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 ever. That's wild. I mean, you know, I I grew up in, ever, I grew up in Cincinnati at the time when we had a hell of a baseball team and, uh, the, uh, the red, big big red machine. Yeah. Yeah. I got some good Pete Rose stories, buddy. And, um, 
not, not a super bright guy. But, uh, but I mean, I always knew. We, I joked about, uh, not joked, I spoke very candidly in the last Roderick on the Line about how I think following politics is like being into pro wrestling. But, you know, I did know the box scores. I really knew how many and a half games somebody out was, and I cared about it a lot. Or think about this. Think about D&D. Here's, maybe this is a better example. Hit like, points. Hit points. Did you, did you know the hit points for stuff? Just, I did. I mean, I, I knew... Like for a, for a bugbear? I knew the difference that Umber, so for many, an Umber Hulk. <laughs> they're talking over my head now, but or my out of my retention. But no, but I mean the things of of what like you just made the crack about a paladin not being able to use a Vorpal uh, yeah, weapon. I don't think he can. I think you're right. I think you're right. But I knew all of that. Are we joke about the clerics and the bladed weapons? Like, why would I still retain that today? Well, I cared a lot about it. Yeah, it was it was very interesting and and. And that well, says in something. fact, I think that's one reason nerds in particular are so attracted to D&D. In addition to the fact that you don't have to be around girls too much, it is, it is, if you have a certain kind of mind, it's extremely appealing. On the one hand, there's a fantasy world where you uh, don't have to be somebody tubby in a rugby shirt. But on the other hand, an incredible encyclopedic knowledge of tiny bits of information that you can synthesize quickly is heavily valued. Whereas, for example, uh, playing volleyball at school, that may not be such a useful thing, right? Right. Um, anyway, boy, we're really far off grit. But I mean, I, I guess I'll, we should wrap it up soon. But I guess for me, the, the grit thing that I keep thinking about, and I've been thinking about this a lot the last few days, probably because I knew the show was coming up and I wanted to talk about this. But the, the thing I keep turning over in my head is like, why is it so easy to quit some things and so hard to, to quit other things? Or so, you know what I mean? Like, is it, is it just that something becomes hard? Is it just that we don't have the framework for it? Is it just that we don't care about it? I mean, maybe it could be all of those things, but isn't it odd that there are some things that take zero grit and other things you'll never have enough grit for? I, I don't know if I'll ever have enough grit to draw. Maybe that's just uh, stinking thinking, but I... Uh, <laughs> is that a Dr. Philism? Stuart Smalley. But I, uh, I don't know. I have a feeling I'm never going to become a gifted um, illustrator in particular because I... I haven't put in the hours and I probably won't. And I haven't had enough successes. I haven't right. had enough, you know, remember you the think, first is, time? Isn't that just it? Isn't that the simple way to think of it though, is to say, have, if, if something, if you've had success doing something and, and you have had that repeatedly or you try something new and you have success with it right away. I mean, doesn't that seem like something that, is going to completely change your outlook on it. And that if you took two kids who are, let's just make believe, they're equal in every way when it comes to their ability to do this thing. But for some reason, the first one has great success with it, and who knows why, and the second one doesn't. That could change the outcome of their entire feeling toward that thing. Just that, just the success, just the outcome. You're saying for the one for whom it comes naturally, they... They might not realize there's more to it than yeah. just raw talent. Yeah. Okay. Get ready to have your mind blown. Are you All right. Ready? Hit it. Are you seated? Do it. Mariana Do it. Rivera. Do it. Mar Mariana Rivera. Do it. Mariana Rivera. Okay. Tell me about this. I don't know what this means. Isn't that the name? Of isn't, what? He the, isn't he the relief pitcher for the Yankees? I don't, I don't, the Yankees are the antithesis of everything <clears throat> wholesome and good in the world. So I don't, I mean, I, I could Google him. But I don't want. Oh, I don't watch come games. Come on, are you sandbagging? You've never seen this guy pitch? No, I won't watch that. This guy, um, 
I won't. I won't is, watch. Is, I won't watch the Yankees game unless unless it's a playoff game with the Phillies. Right. You know, in some way, it's it's a it's a major game with the Phillies. That's the only way I'd ever watch a Yankees game. I won't read about the Yankees. I won't. I won't look at the Yankees. There's a lot of uh, writing about this topic, and I, I personally am not that super interested in it, at least today. But uh, choking. Why you choke? Why you don't choke? And how it is that some people are not only able to be a little bit talented, like the person you described who gets it the first time, mm. but what, what blows me away watching him, I think um, I think the Yankees played the Giants in the World Series a few years ago. Am I remembering that right? But anyway, I just remember every time this guy came up to close, it would it would blow my mind to watch him because first of all, the guy's a deeply, deeply talented pitcher, but also it just seemed like he never lost his composure. Hmm. And that's, that's the important part. I think about what you're describing. The, the, the nascently talented person will come out and as long as they keep throwing strikes, they're going to do great. But when somebody, um, somebody gets a uh, two run homer off of them, and then another person gets a double, and then another person runs... You know what I mean? At that point, how do you keep throwing strikes at the point when you just got your butt kicked a little bit? Yeah. And that's the thing that blows my mind about this guy. I don't, I'm not, uh, I don't know if you know this. I'm not super into baseball. But like every time I watch this guy pitch, he would blow my mind because he, he seems to legitimately... And when he lost, he was a gentleman about it. That to me is... That's Eye of the Tiger, is when you have the skill, you build the skill through practice and rehearsal. And as they say, you don't you know, practice less once you uh, become a pro, you practice more, right? Yeah. And you get good at it. But then the part that this is the, this is the, the, uh, the X factor here, this is the, the dark matter, is I, what is it that lets you, somebody who's that talented can also have that composure? Because, you know, I wonder if you could argue that the composure is the thing that makes you able to become talented, Right. Because the composure is where you don't, and, you know, throw your glove at the ground and cry and walk off the field. Right. The first time you suck, you keep trying, and the second time you suck, you keep trying, and the first time you throw a decent pitch, you don't just think that you've hit the big time. You try even harder. I guess that's the grit. Is that the Mariano Rivera guy's got some grit? I think he might have torn his ACL or something. It's a pretty mm, big deal. Sorry. No, I think he's got a career ender. But um, that's hmm. I'm just intrigued. I'm intrigued by people like that. I guess, you know, Tiger Woods would be another one, but like anybody who can keep their cool. Think about this. Think about crunch time when you're on a project at a big company and how like some people are completely freaking out. And it might be the same person who ran that great meeting. But if you're lucky, you're also around somebody who keeps their cool. There's some people, especially people with ADD, who become a lot more calm the more um, torqued up something gets the more what do you mean torqued up the gets. more so in other words the more stressful the situation the calmer and more focused the person it's not limited become. just to people with add i think you can get an addiction to emergencies at any point in your career are you I, are you one of these folks um i huh. don't think so huh. no i don't like stress i don't respond that well to it i get real flaky and drive everybody crazy when i get stressed out hmm. but there is there are some people well look at it this well way. there are also I, different kinds of stress like what if there was a fire in your kitchen well, there's the stress. There are some people who love deadlines because it helps them get stuff done. I right. hate deadlines and it doesn't have any effect on me. I just blow the deadline off. But there are some people where that's the only way they can get it done. Right? And so I did some work with a company that um, the rank and file and the executive staff were mostly people who'd been in some form or fashion emergency response people. So they were in police, fire, um, disaster relief. Right. But the funny thing about their company that I, I couldn't really like say was that they let a lot of stuff slide in the company 
because they were anxiety addicts. Mm. And there was never time to fix certain kinds of things because, and ironically enough, of course, the company that they made was extremely fault intolerant. We're like, seriously, like things, if things went wrong, people would die. And, but there was also this anxious culture of, you know, being so torqued up all the time. So not stressed out, but having a sense of urgency all the time where, I mean, my impression was that if you guys ever had a day without an emergency, you just sit around and cry in your beer. You know, there are some people who have to have that anxiety all the time or the devil dogs get them. You know what I mean? Yeah. But then, but I, I'm serious though. You've, you've probably met people who are like, you know, it's like watching that Rescue Me show, you know, that Dennis Leary show. Like there are some people who like, they couldn't be anything but firemen, firefighters, you know, because th- you get addicted to the adrenaline of that. And if you stop, the, the devil dogs will show up. <laughs> there are certain people like me, like, ah, I'm such a wuss. I need such a weird balance of things in order to do anything good. That I am, I'm hard to work with. Mm-hmm. But um, I don't know. Now you, when you get stressed out, that's not a great thing for you, is it? No, no, very bad. You don't love, you don't love, you don't love being stressed out. You don't, I I'm, do I'm sorry, not. let me put this differently. Let's, let's refer, stress here is a, is a consequence. It's not a cause. The conditions that lead you to become stressed out, they, do they give you focus? I go dark, personally. Yeah, I know what you mean. Um, you know, I think it depends on the, I think it depends on the situation a lot. A lot. Isn't that weird though? That what if you could get to the point in life where it didn't depend on the situation? Yeah. You know, what if you could be more, I don't know, just the one baseball player I know, but to be that person who it doesn't matter whether you're winning or losing, all you know is it's your job to be the closer and throw one good pitch after another. That, that boy, that talk about playing at a pro level. Mm-hmm. You're not sitting there overthinking it. You're That's just take- always the amazing thing is like, you know, when you, when you, when you watch one of these guys pitching or, and you know, you watch the NFL and, and somebody's like, like the kicker. To me, that seems like the most stressful position. I'm not saying that being a quarterback isn't going to be stressful, but the, so often in a game, it comes down to the kicker. Like this happens all the time. Every free week. Throws. Free throws is another one. Right. Free, free throws. And it's all, it's all on you. It's a hundred percent pressure. And on you it's just you and you're standing on. there and you've got to get it right. And it's up to you and the fate of the game, the fate of the, uh, you know, the, the championship could depend on, Am I going to do this thing that I practice doing the same exact thing all the time, day after day, week after week? And it's my—it's the one thing I'm going to do in this whole game, and that's why I pick kicker. Because when you're out there pitching, right? There's other pitchers, and and you're you're not throwing one pitch; you're throwing a hundred. You know what I mean? And when you're kicking in a foot, you might only kick it a couple times. One, you might only kick it once in the whole game. And that that one thing that you're going to go out there and do is going to decide the entire game or the playoff or the championship, whatever. Mm-hmm. And that's the kind of pressure that it always, it's mind boggling to me and that they're doing this with based on, okay, let me ask you a question. Uh, do you, do you trust your physical skills as much as your mental skills? Me? I'm speaking to you. Um, you mean like athletic abilities? Yes, or exactly like, what I'm talking about. Or when, yeah. and, and you know what? Let's not even go as far as athletic. Let's just say on, on a pool table or ping pong or whatever you, whatever you do. Oh, can I control the results of my physicality as well as I can control the results of my thoughts? Right. 
definitely more comfortable with the thoughts. Yeah, me too, by, by a, a large margin. And it's I, can, all, I, can, I can write this and rewrite it and rewrite it, or I can craft this, I can do this, I can right. do that. And like, like, I, might, I might very well be like in the Frito commercial where I like <laughs> my, my cue just skids across the table and, and breaks up the felt. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and if I were to say to you, could, could you craft a very compelling paragraph for me, you would probably have no hesitation and say, yes, I haven't even told you the subject. I don't care, I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll do it right now. Exactly. And it's it's always, I think, for, for the folks who come in on the other side of the fence, for those who can repeatedly kick a football or make a free throw over and over and over again, and for the damn lucky few who can do both, you know, they, you ask you, you might ask them to confidently write a paragraph on subject to be determined, and they might say, "Well, I mean, I I bet I could get good at that." But and I'm not saying that they're or, not or smart. Or stand up and do an extemporaneous talk on it. Exactly. I'm not saying that that the folks who are physically talented are not smart, or vice versa. I'm saying I'm I'm on the side where I could write that paragraph, but don't ask me to kick that football because <laughs> it's it ain't going to happen the way you want. And that's what's always mind boggling to me are the folks who have access to that and who have such confidence in, in that area. Um, and, and, and like I said, there's plenty of people who are both, who are, who are smart and super talented when it comes to the physical thing. And the reason that I ask this is it's always, it's always sort of fascinating because we draw these analogies to athletes so often. And yet, at least speaking for myself, like I'm totally not one. And there is that kind of, awe when you see somebody who is an athlete doing something and that they can do it with that kind of consistency and that kind of ability that to them going out there and and making that free throw is is fun to them whereas to me it's like wow that would be the most intimidating thing ever having to throw out you know throw a pitch for a game that mattered like i couldn't even imagine it and you'd say well that's because you haven't practiced it but i think it is more about that and more back to your your comment earlier about having the, um, you know, having the, is, is it a natural talent or is it something you practiced? I mean, I think, I think not a lot of people would question the fact that you could take two people uh, and one of them and, and give them the same training and one of them is going to become an amazing pitcher and the other one will be competent. Why, why is that different when it comes to these other th- skills that you're, well, you're talking about? Well, I think, again, though, I think we're getting it a little, uh, I think we're getting a little bit backwards because what, what if it's the other way around? Tell me. Well, I mean, what if, what if the, uh, the football is secondary? Like, what if it's that there are some people, and again, I mean, there are some people who are just more competitive than other people, um, you know, where they have to do great at it. Where they'll, you know what I mean? That they they have this drive to succeed, you know, or, or they'll just, you know, you know they've not, not not that they'll succeed or they'll fall apart, but just they have they have to succeed and they have to be better. They have there are some people with that kind of drive, yeah. which I think I hate to admit it because I don't think of myself as being like that. Um, but I sometimes wish I were. Uh, I'd rather just sit and cry. I'd rather just throw down my glove and go get my orange slice, you know. Yeah, but. Um, but again, what, what, what if it, what if it worked the other way around? I mean, because then you sometimes meet people, <laughs> I don't know why I'm thinking of Christofferson versus Ash in uh, the fantastic <laughs> Mr. Fox, yeah. you know, it drives Ash so crazy that he's not as good at stuff as Christofferson. Christofferson just, and his dad obviously knows it. You know, Mr. Fox knows that Christofferson, oh, the kid's like a professional Olympic level. Um, you know, it's. There, but I wonder if it starts again. This is this is the the painful grip part, though. Is that you know maybe the way that that person got so good at not minding 
kicking the football under pressure, you know, started at a different place than just football per se. You know, I, you know, I, I had an argument one time, not an argument, I, an interesting discussion with a friend of mine in college once about, you know, this is, this is probably off topic, but we, um, we were talking about, you know, what kind of family you've come from and money and stuff. And what I said, I was, I had said to her like, well, you know, you've, you've never missed a meal. Like you've never worried that you may or may not make rent. You've never fallen really far, really fast. And I don't, I don't mean that as a slam, but like you haven't had a reason to have a fear of privation. And once you've had a fear of privation, you get sensitive. You get like Elvis. You start, you're never going to have enough money, right? Like you're, you're always going to worry about that stuff. And so on the one hand, you've got people like me who are a basket case all the time, no matter what. On the other end, you've got people who probably are also basket cases, even though they've got all the money in the world. Right. But somewhere on the continuum, like, you know what I mean? If you know that there's always going to be a safety net, that you're never going to be completely at rock bottom. I guess everybody worries, you know, everybody's got some, some height to fall from, even if it's not very high up, according to other people. But somewhere in the middle is somebody who's got the grit to know that, like, no, they're not going to eat me and I'm not going to die. And even if, if I get, go through this time where there is privation or the fear of privation, like it's very unlikely that it's going to be the end for me. But I think that's part of the grit thing is, is, is having your ass kicked. We used to joke about Marco having a kid, uh, you know, a baby and like, the problem is that kid hasn't had his ass kicked enough, Marco. Um, but I mean, if you've had it, it's funny how getting your ass kicked can have an effect because and by that, I mean like having businesses that fail or relationships that fail, right. or illness, or surprising catastrophic loss in your life. Mm. One of the things they talked about in this, uh, this American Life, talking about these issues, is that the ridiculous, this woman was just reeling off these numbers about, this, about how the, the, the grit is so sparse, so scarce, in people that had childhood trauma. If you've had more than like three tra childhood traumas, greatly elevated chance of suicide, greatly elevated chance of dropping out, greatly elevated chance of not being able to hold a job that, you know, it starts wiring you in a certain way. Yeah. So I don't end on a depressing note, but I'm, I'm not sure, I'm not sure what the, well, here's the, the uplifting note is that, again, there's always the chance to find more grit. And if you're asking me where to find the grit, I think it's to start by looking at the places, the things that you haven't quit. Like, what are the things that you managed to finish? Or what are the things where you stuck with it even when it was hard? Are there commonalities to that? And then just because I'm, you know, that guy, and, you know, if you're, if you find you're quitting about something a lot, like, what is it that's making you quit? Is it because it's, you get into the chick sent me high flow stuff here. Is it because it's hard? Is it because it's boring? Is it because you don't understand why you need to learn it? Straight back to your thing about memorizing numbers and dates. Right. It's incredibly frustrating to me that, I feel like my secondary school education in history was so heavily fixated on numbers and dates without helping me understand like why that date was important. I mean, remember, if I say to you 1939, like you can go, okay, 1939, here's what happened. But when somebody says 1939 to me, I get a little sad because I know what happened in 1939. I didn't, about, it's not what I learned by memorizing that date in high school. It wasn't until years later that I got the momentousness of what happened in Europe starting around 1939. And it's uh, it's much easier to remember the date 1939 when you really understand what happened to people then. So there's your framework. Like if you've got if you've got a meaningful place to put that information in the same way that you would have whether paladins can carry a vorpal blade, mm -hmm. you know why is it why is it you're quitting? You know, uh, 
And is that destiny? I think it, it can be destiny. If you exercise, as we say, that muscle of failure over and over, and you keep telling yourself that you fail at stuff, well, then you'll probably keep failing at it. But I don't think you're going to get better at that until you start doing the sorts of exercises that make you develop a different muscle. So figure out the things that you haven't always screwed up at. Figure out the things that you haven't quit at. And like I said, because I'm that guy, like what is it that you don't care enough about yet? Because you might go to the gym a little more if you had to care about that thing. Hour three. Can I tell you about something I like? Yes, please. Yes. Do you know about this uh, Squarespace? Have you heard of these guys? Squarespace? I have heard of these guys. Well, Squarespace 6 is a wonderful thing, and we want to tell you about it. Um, it's a... How, what's the... What, if you had to do the SMBs in a, uh, in a sentence, how do you describe it, Dan? Well, Squarespace, I think the best way to think of it is that it's, it's a publishing platform. It's, I mean, to be honest, let's say it is, it's software, right? It's software. It's a, it's, a, it's a software as a solution service. It's a SSSS. <laughs> Is, is that what, is that so the way called, you say that? Yeah, it's a software, software as a, a solution integration. It's a SASE. It's everything you need to make a website, basically. And you can start out with, uh, with one of their templates, which is beautiful. They've got lots of them. And they're responsive, so they look good on your iPhone, they look good on your iPad, they look good everywhere, they look good with all that stuff. Or you can do this cool developer thing. Go to developers.squarespace.com, and then you can, if you're fancy, you can use SFTP to access the template and customize it right there, or you can use Git and check the thing out and uh, the repository locally, and you can edit it all there and push it back up and make your own and do everything. We have control of everything. Uh, but it's it's a publishing platform, and it, the, if you, if you don't want to mess with the code stuff, Merlin, all you got to do is drag and drop stuff to build your site. Well, that's that's really me easy. right now, and this is one of the things I find so appealing is to use, I guess, a hopefully I'm not abusing a nerd term. It's everything's very well abstracted. Oh. There's there's a layers to it. So I mean, your content is over here. Uh, you know, changing the theme or the the template of your site does not, you know, screw up your content. Quite the opposite. Um, that's that's the neat part to me is that you can go and you can post from your iPhone, you can uh, post from the website, you can just drag and drop stuff in. Um, and I wanted to mention, I put this in show notes, but they have two new templates. Have you seen the new templates they put up? No, uh, when, new week? new as in like new, new as in new, like they just put them out like in the last week. And I th- it's two that I've actually been two kinds of templates that I've been really hungry for, which they're calling business templates. So there are blog templates, there are portfolio templates, but they got a couple new ones um, that are really dynamite that are more for a business. And to me, what's great about that, they're, they're very low key, very low key. And uh, <laughs> I don't know if you can see them there in the show notes, but uh, they are called dovetail and five are the two new ones. And go have a look at those because they're awful pretty. Let's use show notes out. for the site. But um, it's so nice to have somebody working for you behind the scenes, you know, to not have to go, go in and, and fiddle with all this stuff to make your uh, navigation show up in a different part of the page. You know, you, if you need that, there are lots of places to do that. But I would love for you to check out uh, squarespace.com slash back to work uh, to go and uh, sign up for this. You can get a, uh, a free trial for uh, two weeks to see if you like it. Uh, you can go and sign up for one of those developer accounts and uh, get in under the hood. But um, could you check this out? Aren't those pretty? Really, some really nice stuff. Look at that five one. That looks like something you'd make. Yeah, I it's would really, make that. I did that. I might, might have made that. It looks a lot like yours. Yeah, it's got the style of how old school high like Yeah, yeah. I'm, I want to mm. reuse that with the two guys talking. Hi, I'm Fred. No, I'm Fred. <laughs> Let's both be Fred. Um, I should lay down. That's weird. But, uh, so you go to squarespace.com slash back to work. Dan, it's a new month. It's the month of 10. Did you know that? And that I did. I actually you, uh, did know that. You can get percentages off. 
you know, when you go in and use our uh, special offer code. Promo, uh, promo code, they call it, I think. But, mm, yeah, go ahead. When you go in and sign up at squarespace.com slash back to work, you get your new account. You're going to get your two-week trial. Check it out. I don't know if they call it that. I'll call it a trial. Um, you can go and play with these templates, uh, see what it feels like to make a site using Squarespace. And then when you're ready to uh, uh, run your card, uh, you can use, what is this, uh, you get 10% off. Is that accurate? Well, with Whatever our with our buy, code, you get 10%, yeah. If you use the code, you get 10% off. And are you, I don't know if you were in on this. Do you, do you know what the offer code is for the month of 10? No, I was not in on this. I do not know. Way, way of the future. Way of the future. Way of the future. One word, all lowercase. All lowercase. I might I have to type it uh, five times. Spaces. Way of the future. <laughs> you only type it once. Otherwise, it, it throws a future error. Okay. Yeah, way of the future, one word. And you get 10% off. And you know, if you sign up for a year or more, you get a free domain name. Uh, please go check this out. The developer stuff is pretty bananas. Um, you know, I think there's plenty to talk about uh, just with the features of what you can do as a as a on the consumer end of uh, the content management. But the developer stuff is pretty crazy. The GitHub integration and then stuff is uh, pretty mind blowing. But it starts with you going to squarespace.com/slash/back-to-work, um, signing up and uh, and uh, playing around. Go make some stuff. Go drag some stuff in. Go play with those blocks. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. So um, we're very grateful to our friends at Squarespace and Lil Ryan uh, for supporting Five by Five and Back to Work. That's a long one. Should make the two shows. Whoa, whoa, whoa. It's a long show. It's a lot of talking. Yeah, it's a lot of words. We're not, we're not delaying Jim, are we? Jim who? Who Jim? Uh, uh, sorry. No, I told uh, you that he missed out, man. It's uh, We had a show scheduled this morning. <laughs> are we doing this here? We uh, He had a show scheduled this morning. Mm-hmm. And uh, it turns out it's uh, Canadian Thanksgiving, which if if I've ever heard of a made-up holiday, that's that's it. Canadian Thanksgiving, and, and so that's whatever the ducks are that are on the money, they have that for dinner with poutine. Is that right? <laughs> that's right. Hmm. They love hockey up there. That's weird. Oh, love that guy. So anyway, he, um, he couldn't do it. He realized in the middle of his Thanksgiving dinner, which apparently was happening at nine in the morning. You keep interrupting Jim's meals from what I can gather. I guess so. I didn't did mean you, to. Didn't you interrupt his meal on his I birthday? I interrupted his birthday meal. I interrupted his thanks. Well, I didn't interrupt it. He just had a realization during the meal that we were supposed to be doing a show. It seems to me you guys, they call it a Canadian sit down. It seems to me you guys need to have a Canadian sit down about this because <laughs> I think either he's eating way too much, God forbid, or you're interrupting too many meals. Yeah. This might be a cultural thing, Dan. It might be a First Nations original. Uh, Aboriginals thing. You should ask him about this. There must be a lot of food in that beard. He could probably open like a little snack shop. Wow. Hmm. hmm. He comb, does he comb it? I don't. I don't know. Would you let me comb it? <laughs> <laughs> we'll button this Talking up. Talking about uh, Jim Dalrymple, by the way. Gonna button this up. One fifty-five. Button it up. Button it okay, up. Button it up. Yeah. Okay. Go ahead. Whatever you want. I love it's your you. Show. Love you too, Merlin. Love you too. Love you. Love you.